It's called Sharing Jesus. How to put faith into words. It's one thing to know your faith, but something else that's quite tricky and, and some people think it's, well, it's not for me, this is difficult. And this may just give you some tools or some vehicles to ride on whereby you actually can easily begin to talk and share, share Jesus. Our choruses today, the first three, all had one thing in common. They had Jesus. Every single one had Jesus. Totally different pieces of music, but each one had Jesus in the title. So, things that we will look at is how to take conversation deeper. So you've got an interaction there. Ways to talk and explain the gospel. Answering difficult questions. That may even answer it for yourself. And follow-up steps. There's a lot of things there. How to put faith into work. Um, it's been created by the Hope and Pentecost Festival, and that's for hope for our villages, towns, and cities. And it's very, very good. And the main teaching we'll probably start off with today is from Roger Foster, and that's Ixus. And Ixus are actually coming to Ashburnham. If anybody wants to hear him and know more of it, then please have a look on the Ashburnham website. And uh, I think they do take day tickets. And they are around for a week. Um, and yes, we, we mentioned about um, Marilyn Baker. She will be at Crowhurst later in the year. So have a look at the Crowhurst website. Um, that one usually books up pretty quickly, but maybe you can get in for a day if you want to see Marilyn Baker and Tracy again. So that's what we'll do later. So that's just by means of introduction, as I say. Um, the books are quite expensive, so we haven't got sort of dozens of them. That's why hopefully there's enough for one each. But if there isn't, perhaps a couple won't mind sharing when we actually come to that page. And the first talk is going to be Faith into Words, and it's called Lights Coming. Lights Coming, we will do later. Lights Coming. It's written by Roger Forster from Ichthus, page 7. It's this one here. Everybody got a sight of that? Or sharing? Anybody can't see it? Any one more? Can people can people cuddle up or whatever the word verb is? Roger Forster says this at the bottom of the page. So I like the, I like the light um, display on that. That's like one Christian spreading the good news of the gospel in all directions and it landing everywhere. I like that picture. You won't convince anyone, but the Holy Spirit set can, says Roger Forster. Most people want to live and live well. However, for most, living well means a luxury home, a footballer's wage, uh, for a few, cars, boats, holidays, and things ad infinitum. Even those of us who would like to think of others are more or less content we confess that we always do with a little bit more. We never have quite enough. It's well documented how both the rich and poor always think they're missing out somewhere. Much of our conversation is about this dissatisfaction and it provides a continuous opportunity to speak lovingly of Jesus. So you see the point here is you hear people moaning, groaning, grumbling, making comparisons, it doesn't matter if it's the weather, their possessions. Um, there's somebody on a cruise program or something and they, they were doing some ridiculous number of cruises a year on the television. Absolutely ridiculous. 
and they clearly weren't satisfied and on they went doing multiple cruises. Um, so this is the opportunity. He has come that we might have life to its full. These people you see do not have life to its full. They know something is missing. Many will deny that they're less than content, that they shouldn't put us off. Philosophers have named this feeling of inadequacy and lostness, ache and even guilt, as the God-shaped blank inside all humans. I often refer to it as the God-shaped hole. I think a hole, you can sort of do that in front of them. There's this thing missing, isn't there? There's this hole. And very often you will hear, yes, but I don't know what it is. Or fortunately, maybe if they see Christ or Jesus in you in some way, they may say, I don't know what it is you've got, but I want it. And then you've got a place to open up and begin to move. I remember when I was a young Christian, he says, how surprised I was upon talking with a student for over an hour when he declared he was an atheist and had no needs. Suddenly he looked straight at my eyes and said, all right then, I need Jesus, don't I? Let's pray. You see, it wasn't what Roger said. It was what Roger was, and probably there was a run-up to that. But you see, he saw something there, and just the Holy Spirit's prompting did it. Five essentials for evangelism. I don't like the evangelism word. It scares people, and Christians get stumped up about it. If we're just talking about sharing or talking people or having a little story or testimony, that's different. The E word is one of those religious words that people stumble over. But there are five essentials in order that you can actually be more effective in, in being you as a Christian and sharing with others in a natural way. For when you share Jesus, as Jesus commands, he promised one. And this is the first essential. He promises that when you do that, however stumbling, inadequate, mixed up, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit will share it with you. The Bible references are here, and I don't propose to read those today, but please, we'll have the books in due course. There it is in John 16, in those two verses. He's with you. You are not able to convince anyone. So often I've had Christians in the past who try to use the power of logic, argument, cajoling, Trying to scare people into the kingdom does not work. It puts them off. And you must not say or do anything that puts a further distance between that person and Jesus. If you can't say something that's going to draw them closer, don't say anything. Go, go like the uh, Canadian River. Go frozen at the mouth at that point. It's important that you just draw people by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not able to do it, but the Holy Spirit can. And the good news is the Holy Spirit will do it through you, through your presence, through your life, through something you say. And that may surprise you. If an atheist can say to Roger, suddenly, okay, I need Jesus, don't I? Let's pray. Well, you know, wonderful. And that isn't unique. When somebody says, how do you know Jesus died for me? It was 2,000 years ago and you weren't there. The Spirit says, no, he wasn't, but I was. So in the denial can be the reaction of yes to Jesus. So don't be afraid of being, having reversals. Don't be afraid of losing the argument and winning the soul. Very early in my Christian life when trying to win people to Christ, I learned two important points. I never lost 
Dave, a very aggressive and destructive gang leader, had come to our youth group a few times but never listened. He would, in fact, always finish up trashing the room. One night he was quiet. My brother said, why don't you talk to Dave? I nervously replied, why don't you? <laughs> but that's what my elder brother demanded. Dave began, I'm an atheist, I have no needs, all I want in life. I have all I want in life. After an hour and a half or so, he said, I'm still an atheist. I still, did, I still don't think I was doing well. But said, why don't you tell God you're an atheist? He said, that's stupid. No, I replied, it's not. If he's not there, you haven't lost anything. And that's a way to find out if anyone is around. You call out to them. Romans 10.13. That is original, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? Why don't you tell God you're an atheist? Not seen that written like that before. Put that in your little memory bank. Put it on the shelf. All right, he replied, I will. Now I was worried, says Roger Foster, and I prayed a rather heart-hearted prayer with him. Dave then prayed, Lord, if you are there, I want to believe in you. Then he added, and do your will. He looked up and to my amazement, he smiled saying, I think the light is coming. And that's what we're doing this morning. We're just trying to put a little bit of light into our ability to be ourselves, but share, to shine some light, some reflection of Jesus into the dark, empty, God-shaped holes in people. Now, I didn't go around Peckham and South East London saying, have you seen the light? But two days later, he, Dave the atheist, gave his life to Christ. When we're seeking to bring people to Jesus, we need two more essentials, apart from the Holy Spirit. Two, an act of the will to do God's will, that is repentance. Come back to that. Three, an act of welcoming, believing, or trusting Christ. That's quoting John 1.12 and Acts 12.20. If one or other of these two elements is missing, it may be the reason why some folk respond with it didn't work. So the Holy Spirit, the need for some change, some turning round in their life. Remember repentance is they're facing this way and what you're saying to them in some ways they turn that way. They turn the Christ way. That's what repentance is. It's one of those words again, a bit like evangelism, one that stumbles out. Repent, you see the, the signs, don't you, in the cartoons, repent, the kingdom of heaven is nigh, and so on, and it means nothing these days for people. Roger, this says, I have to learn the further lesson. It is God who does the supernatural birth, and not my less than efficient attempts at spiritual midwifery. Now that is a yes to that, but be careful. You may well have to work and travail and fight the enemy to bring the person to free their free will to say yes to Jesus. It may well that they have got problems and oppressions and things because they are unsafe people. And part of that battling is a birth process. It's happened to people I know that sometimes they've had to fight their way through to the point that the free will is free. And then they can make a genuine choice. Many people have not got a genuine choice. They are in bondage, they're in prison to their past and to things that have happened to them. That's the third one, the act of welcoming, believing and trusting, getting them from that place of distrust 
to. And many cases you may even do something as simple as this, and I've done this in the past, is they've tried everything else. Why don't you try Jesus? What have you got to lose? And many will go with that at that point, and then the Holy Spirit will do it. You open the door a little. If they refuse, then obviously it's not the right time, and they want to try carry on trying everything else. So four, this is the fourth point, our prayer before, during, and after helping someone to come to Christ is essential. And it gives room for the Spirit to work to enlighten. Encourage the person to pray, even if they think they can't. Most people who talk, don't use the word pray, just get them to talk to God. Tell them, he says here, tell God you're an atheist, something like that. How this prayer before, during, and after for somebody. A model and shape I found very powerful and helpful, and you may like to put this on your shelf, is you have got somebody you want them to come through to Christ. They, you know they have a need. So the first thing you do is you pray for that person to be released from the Lord. It's not your work. You hand that person over, male or female, child, whatever, to the Lord. And you pray in prayer and you just hand them over, saying, Lord, you know them, these they are. And I, you know, I, I can't do anything, but I hand them over to you. But it says in Scripture a very important thing about us having authority as Christians. And it says we have all authority. And all authority means all authority. So having handed them over, then we make an act of will. We make a decision to say to the Lord, in, under, in your authority, in the authority here, I now claim back that man, woman, or child for the kingdom of God. I claim them. You're standing. It's like you're really making a declaration to the powers and principalities. You are saying, John, June, Fred will not be lost to the place without God. I, I'm taking command of this. I'm taking authority at this point and you claim them back to the kingdom. Right? That's the second stage. And the third stage is you bind everything that is unhelpful to you. Everything that you know they've been into. Everything that you know they worship. Their holidays, their cars, themselves, the pride, whatever it is, the work of the enemy in their life that stops them getting to Christ, you bind in the name of Jesus. Because what is bound on earth is bound in heaven. What is bound in heaven is bound on earth. Now the problem is with an unsaved person is the binding only lasts for a season. And that season can be a relatively short time to a long time. But it frees their free will to find Christ. So you hand them up, over. You draw them back under your authority for the kingdom. And then you bind everything you know that is, that is unhelpful to them. And you keep doing it until you see them come through. It's a three-way thing, before, during, and after. Now, one other factor in sharing Jesus with anyone is number five, faith. Our confidence is in the lovely message that we have to tell of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, together with our dependence on the Holy Spirit with whom we work by faith. Note the phrase, we work with him. Yes, he works with us, of course, but we work with him. There is that willingness. We need to be the hands and feet. After my conversion, Roger said, a handful of friends became Christians and then conversion stopped, although I was trying hard to win folk. 
I complained to the Lord. You said, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. But this is not happening. It was as though I was fishing by dropping bricks on the fish. I missed and they fled. The Lord said to me, and I said I would make you fisher of others. Trust me. Thank you, Lord, that you that takes fear and strain away. Listen to his word and speak it. Good fishing. And I think that's probably enough for today. I, I was going to move on to the one to do with prayer, but we'll do that another time, next time, because the next one is offer prayer. How you can offer prayer to pray for people and you will be amazed how very, very few people refuse. You speak to our street pastors, you'll find that people, a tiny minority who will reject the offer of prayer. But we'll do that on another Sunday.